Well, good afternoon and thank you once again for joining me for Business, The Law and You. Julian Campbell here and we've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. But later in the program, we'll have a look at one of our Harvard Business Review tips. This one is Know When and How to Ask for Help. Well, some need help sometimes, don't we? We're also going to be having a chat with Christina about the highlights from the Singularity Summit. But right now, we're going to have a chat with Anne Morris, who's a director with the Business Growth Centre. We're going to talk about project management. Good afternoon, Anne. Good afternoon, Julian. Nice to speak with you. Yes, it's been a long time, hasn't it? It has certainly been many years. <laughs> so, were you back but there? I do listen to the program regularly. Fantastic. And you're back there with the Business Growth Centre. So, um, we often think about project managing, management applying to large projects such as building and the like. Why is it useful for small business? A project manager approach is good for small business because small businesses, as you know, often get tied up in the the day to day operational matters of telephones and mail and you know just running the business and still looking after their customers. And the project management approach allows them to actually turn all of their activities and tasks into a project so that they can monitor that much more effectively. Um, we've probably all done a project. People, you know, extended their house or done up a garden or or sold a house. They're even projects in their own right. And by having that extra level of planning in the business, you're actually able to commit your resources in a more organised way and keep yourself more on track. So you don't have to be building a skyscraper. Um, you just might need to be looking at managing your own business so that you can get that balance between the day-to-day operations and keeping on track with, with what's important for your clients and for yourself. So, so management by project can work in any business. What is management by project? Well, as I said, it, it's turning what's in your business um, into a project. Okay. They could be small or they could be large. Um, so, you know, you could be wanting to develop a, a social media plan, for instance, um, for your business, and you could make that a project. And you could then think, well, what resources do I need to commit to that? What is my time frame for that? And project management or management by project includes documentation. So you don't just sit in the office and chat to someone about it. You actually get some planning data down on paper so you can monitor your progress. So something simple like an internal plan or managing a particular requirement, bringing in a new product or process can become a managed project within a business. It sounds like adding a lot of time. I presume that there are advantages for management by project in a business. It's a little bit of that invest a bit of time to save a bit of time, but there are certainly a lot of a lot of advantages by putting that little bit of time in at the beginning. You become more systematic and focused. Um, you can really allocate your resources to where they're important so that you're doing real work every day in the business is actually getting outcomes and you can commit time and money and people to where they really need to go. And, of course, you would involve your stakeholders in this. So it's also giving you the opportunity to involve your customers and your staff, which is all important in building that good you know, value-add within the business and, and keeping up your morale and culture so that your business is really running quite effectively. And you can also see where projects collide. You might have four things running at once, and if you've actually mapped these down, you can see where suddenly there's this clash of people's time and you think, God, we're not going to get all of that finished in this week. 
So how can we apportion those tasks across other weeks to to make our business life easier for us in the end? Yes, a little cost in time up front, but I think a big saving um, in the end. So I've obviously got the skills to run my business, but do I need some special skills for project management? I don't really think so in a way. Um, as long as you've got some planning skills and you, you can do your financing skills um, and, and you can do some um, use an Outlook calendar or an Excel spreadsheet, for instance, you can actually plan. You may need possibly to do a little bit of training around, you know, some of those use of things like Gantt charts and different project management tools that you may not be familiar with. But if you've got good fundamental skills in, you know, planning, running finances, and you know your products and services and you know your customer base, you're very much in a position to be able to implement a manage-by-project approach. You know, it's it's not going to take you 12 months to get the skills. You know, you can probably pick it up in a, in a one-day or two-day workshop and go back and implement something of value straight into your business, which is, which is what people want these days, that just-in-time, just for me, just now, so that they've <laughs> actually got real skills that they can use when you get it back into the business. I, I don't know about you or your, your listeners, but, you know, going and doing a long course and then finding that half of it wasn't what I needed really is, is, is not conducive to me. You know, I need what I need now, and if I can use this approach and get a good business outcome, particularly in our current business environment, which is a little tough at the moment for some businesses, um, you know, it could be a good way of looking at how we actually manage in the business, and it could give you more free time. If you're a little bit more organised with your projects, that, that work-life balance might come into play a little bit too, which is important. Mm. Now, you mentioned Gantt charts, and I can remember years before computers handwriting all those Gantt charts. Do I, is, is there software to manage projects? You can get very complex software um, in the Microsoft suites and others like those. Um, but at the end of the day, if you can use an Excel spreadsheet, um, there's also some very um, moderately priced and free um, project management tools available. If you know you you do a little bit of web searching, you'll find them. They're simple to use, quite intuitive. And if you put all your tasks in and some dates, they'll schedule them all for you. And you can link them with an Outlook calendar too that will send you reminders to say you should be doing this today or have you thought about that today or this is running behind and this is running in front. So um, it really allows you to keep tabs on things. And the software will help but you certainly don't need it um, to be able to, to run a management by project. I've been a small business owner myself and I've often run projects and usually I can manage with an Excel spreadsheet, my Outlook calendar. Um, I can make most of those things if I, if I work at it and I haven't had to purchase expensive software. So, you know, you can expand your own skill base by getting a you know a little bit of bit of training in that area, but certainly you don't have to buy expensive software or undertake any expensive additional um, uh, training to be able to actually implement a project management focus into your business. And you know, for some of our tenants here at the business centre, they are also working that way, um, and they're finding it quite useful and have expanded their business as a result of being able to bring a focus um, to a particular project they're working on, like developing um, um, an app 
um, for phones and web. Right. And they've made that a project, and that's been very successful in them being able to get that done on time, um, efficiently and effectively. Right. Well, uh, do, I, do I have a uh, website that I can visit where I can yes, get more information? Yes, you can certainly visit our Business Growth Centre website on www.businessgrowthcentre.com all one word, au. Great. Well, thanks very much for your time. Good to talk to you again. Maybe we'll have a chat another time. I would certainly like that. Thank you very much, Julian. Goodbye to you and your listeners. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. And Morris there with some useful information that, yeah, project management is not just for those big businesses and uh, we can certainly... Uh, maybe get some better results. And you're listening to Business, The Law and You on 2NURFM. Time to have our weekly chat with Christina. Good afternoon, Christina. Good afternoon, Julian. And we're going to talk about uh, those highlights of that Singularity Summit you were at yesterday. Absolutely, and, and like still so charged from the summit. Yeah. Uh, very interesting thoughts and different challenges from different speakers. Alex Rubson, who's on um, Singularity U faculty, uh, was talking about um, AI, and what she opened with was so interesting. She put a whole lot of headlines up um, about the risks of AI. So some of those headlines read, like, real risks of AI, you should be terrified of super-intelligent machines, AI could encourage war. Um, and it was interesting to have all those headlines mixed in with all the good that AI and technology is also capable of achieving. Mm. So we had a, um, a fantastic Australian um, group actually made up of a researcher, um, a scientist and a musician. And they, they're called Future Crunch and they come from Melbourne um, and they presented um, a good news segment and they did a summary of day one on day two. Anyway, the, the amount of good news stories that we just don't hear about, the positive things that are happening in the world, the reduction in poverty, the reduction in death, from terrorism and war, etc., that we just don't hear about, um, but we hear about all the sensationalised um, other other headlines, very much fits in with the real risks of AI that Alex was talking about. And mm. another Australian who spoke at the conference, Dr Jordan Nguyen, uh, was talking about, and this is close to close to home in Newcastle, actually. Um, there's we have a, um, a gentleman who was who became a, um, a paraplegic from an accident, a bicycle accident, mm. and um, Jordan has been working with him immersing him in augmented reality and virtual reality uh, and using the exoskeleton suit. And I think a lot of this is potentially could have been happening at HMRI, uh, but, but within a certain amount of time, this, this gentleman has been getting some feeling back into his limbs. Now, whether that means that he'll walk again, we're not, we're not sure. Uh, another Newcastle highlight was the stroke helmet featured by Hunter um, by, the, by HMRI. Uh, and the ability for that, that helmet to save long-term disabilities, you know, if we can identify what type of stroke people have immediately, mm. uh, and they're working towards having this stroke helmet um, in every ambulance. Just just as you have a defibrillator, you have this stroke helmet. Because if you administer the right treatment within four hours, you virtually have no no long-lasting effects from the stroke. That's so good. All, and, and it was really it was fantastic for me to be hearing so many things come, local, out, of, you know, come out of Newcastle. Yeah, yeah, how wonderful is that? Yeah, it was really yeah. good. Um, Ramez Nam, who's another uh, um, Singularity U faculty, was talking about um, Australia and its exports and energy. 20% of exports, I'm pretty sure he said, were tied up in coal from Australia. Uh, and then he made the really interesting comment that it's actually cheaper to bring refuelable energy plants online than it is to maintain the fossil fuel plants. 
So we should be actually harnessing um, that. And no one's saying to, to shut down anything instantly, but if we started doing a crossover, um, a slow crossover from fossil fuels to renewable energy, the opportunities that that holds for Australia. Because BHP, um, and this had nothing to do with the summit, but BHP uh, are doing four renewable energy contracts to replace coal-fired plants at two of their copper mines in Chile um, mm. because of the pressure they've been receiving from shareholders to, to reduce carbon emissions, et cetera, and carbon footprint. Um, so they're really listening to their shareholders and, and they're going to replace the coal-fired plants with two copper mines. So, you know, things like that are, are gaining momentum and the more, the more people have conversations around things like this, um, the more opportunities we've got for improvement and the more chance we've got to progress basically the planet and humanity. Well, certainly the conversations are being escalated, I think, in the, in the media at the moment. Yeah, they are, certainly. Mm. Uh, another another um, speaker was um, Dr. Taddy Bletcher, from, and he speaks around education. The, the, the figures for Australian education are quite remarkably high, but he also puts figures up that show where our talent shortages are. And he, he's, according to his figures, 34% of Australian employers can't fill jobs. 2.2 million deficit of highly skilled workers by 2030 is what the prediction is. And it's all, it's all tied into education, the way we're teaching people, and also the ability to relearn and to continuously learn. So all the, you know, the talk about continuous learning, lifelong learning, we really have to start walking the talk. Mm. If we're looking to fill, 34% of you know, employers can't fit jobs and 2.2 million deficit of highly skilled workers by 2030. Right. Well, that's very interesting. Well, thank you for your t- uh, time again today. Uh, keep, keep motivated and excited with all that, and we'll have a uh, chat with indeed. you again another week, next week. There's a motivated uh, Christina with some highlights from that summit, and certainly I think the future's exciting. And you're listening to Business, the Law and You on 2NURFM. Just time for our quick Harvard Business Review tip. This particular one, know when and how to ask for help. People often don't ask for help because they think it's perceived as a sign of weakness. But you can't be successful if you don't ask for what you need. So here's how to make it easier. First of all, help others. Build a positive reputation as someone who's willing to lend a hand. For example, offer to assist with a small task or ask if someone could use extra input on a project. Secondly, know what you want to ask. If you need help with a current project, take the time to write down your goals. Look at the most important one and list the steps and resources needed to achieve it. Use this series of needs to frame your requests. And thirdly, ask smartly, that's S-M-A-R-T, many requests are so poorly worded that it's difficult to respond. Yours should be, first of all, specific, meaningful, in other words, explain what you need, why you need it, action-oriented, ask for something to be done, real and time-bound, say when you need it. And we often hear of those smart goals, don't we, so... Practice asking for help in exactly the same way. And that tip is taken from Five Ways to Get Better at Asking for Help by Wayne Baker. Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed it. We've looked at the value of project management and some highlights from Singularity Summit. In a moment, Jane Klein will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, we'll have some quick tips for an expert image from Jeanette Ball, a past president of the Association of Image Consultants. We'll have a minute on innovation with Christina and some more business and legal news and views that might affect your business. 
I'd love your company again for Business, the Law and You at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week. And as Sir Richard Branson once said, a business has to be involving, it has to be fun, and it has to exercise your creative instincts. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.